Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening, where we have the opportunity to continue our reflections into the richness of the gospel that we will hear this 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time, where we engage uh, that great narrative that has uh, Christ sending his 12, uh, sending his 12 in what we can call a training mission, because we are not at the end of the Gospel of Mark, right? No, we are only in uh, chapter 6, uh, verses 7 to 13, and we do have seven very rich verses uh, this evening. And I say we because I do have uh, Debbie Rosales with me. Debbie, great to have you back. Thank you for having me. I know it's been, what, over a month, Debbie, since you last joined yeah. us. So it really is good to have you back. And Good to be able to discuss this narrative, which we have to own. You know, this is a narrative that would be very easy for us to kind of keep at arm's distance in that sense of, well, he's just sending the 12. Mm-hmm. Okay, but there's so much more there. Our Lord wants us to uh, personalize this text because he has called all of us. Um, our baptismal vocation is to enter into God more deeply that our sharing of the faith might be more profound. So very important. And before we jump into the reading, Debbie, I did want to respond to a question, uh, maybe more of an observation that uh, was made about a week ago. Uh, Someone came to me and said, you know, Joe, our Lord is, uh, I don't want to say hypocritical, but very contradictory. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, well, he's constantly rebuking you know, his own disciples. He's constantly saying how hard-hearted they are. He's constantly being negative with them. And I uh-huh. thought, okay, yeah, this is this is true in a sense. Are you saying our Lord is judging? Yes, that's it. You know, our Lord is judging. Well, it's always to remember, Debbie, that um, when Christ says, do not judge, the context is do not condemn, do not judge, critique what you do not see, because you cannot do that. And so you you do not touch what is subjective, what is hidden, unknown, unseen. But of course, you judge what is objective, what is known, revealed, seen. <laughs> Our Lord was judging essentially what he knew, mm-hmm. okay, what was being revealed before him. And it was necessary <laughs> because he was calling them to a deeper righteousness. He was calling them to a deeper holiness. He was reminding them that they were his chosen. And as such, uh, they were the town clock, if you will. Everyone is looking at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very important. Now, what does this mean for you and I? He's not being contradictory at all. No. What he wants us to see is that in the end, there is hope for us. Because we know the story of the apostles, those first 12. They did great things. And what we have to be mindful of is transformation is gradual. We will fall. In fact, falling sometimes, Debbie, is necessary, because otherwise we would not know how to pick ourselves back up again down the road. So very important. And and understand, every time 
that you think you see something that is uh, contradictory in sacred scripture or maybe a bit unconventional, that is usually the time, Debbie, when God wishes to teach us a deeper lesson. Jesus is the great master. Jesus is the great teacher. And he's constantly wanting us to go deeper and deeper and deeper that we might understand the ways of God, which by the naked eye cannot be seen. So we need to appreciate the dynamic of this biblical text for what it is and be careful about making a judgment upon something until we know the whole. And by the whole, I'm speaking to uh, salvation history itself. What's interesting about this question is that this is very applicable, Debbie, to the Gospel of Mark itself, because maybe more than any other gospel, although it be the shortest gospel, do we have Christ rebuking his disciples, rebuking his apostles? So all very important. And, you know, we have to remember that love and truth cannot be separated. Mm. Our Lord loves them. Amen. And he would be remiss if he didn't give them the whole truth, Mm -hmm. which includes their weakness. And I love, you know, Paul's use of... uh, Power is made perfect in weakness. Yeah, just this past weekend, huh? Just this yeah. past weekend, yeah. we had that. We had that reading, and so it does give us a confidence. You know, every time I read about Peter, because I just relate to Peter. Mm-hmm. He's just mm-hmm. so kind of jumps before he thinks sometimes, yeah. Yeah. and he's enthusiastic. And but I can relate to Peter, and then to see over the course of years, the transformation, that slow, beautiful transformation of Peter to the first Holy Father of mm-hmm, the church. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. If that doesn't give you hope and a sense of, Lord, give it to me straight because that's what I need, then we're on the right track. You know, give it to me straight. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can do something if I, if I know where the holes are. But I can't patch the holes in my own blindness if I can't see them. But he can see them quite clearly and in his love and mercy for us. Amen, Debbie. It's you're talking, uh, I'm taken back to that uh, beautiful and powerful image of St. Teresa of Avila where she calls us to go before mirror and put the purity and the whiteness, if Mm. you will, of Christ behind you, and you will see your stain. It is necessary. And that stain, that stain is is our weakness, mm-hmm. it's our shortcomings, it's mm-hmm. our character deficiencies, and ultimately, at once, it's our call to go deeper. That being said, we have a narrative where Jesus is sending the Twelve. So he's equipping them. They are experiencing some transformation, but like I said off the top, Debbie, this is a training mission, mm-hmm. uh, one where he wants them to acquire a deeper understanding of what this is all about. So why don't we go ahead and start with the, uh, the Gospel. Sure. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick, no food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tunic. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. So they went off and preached repentance. The twelve drove out many demons 
and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. Amen. When I was reading this text uh, last night for a second and third time, I went back to something that uh, happened to me about three weeks ago. I was going for a walk, and I decided to just stop and go to a, a bench and just kind of look up at the stars and just take in God's beauty. Mm-hmm. I just felt the need to do this. And in that period of 10 minutes, probably, I saw two shooting stars. Mm. You know, and what fascinated me was how quickly it appeared was as quick as it disappeared. You know, and bang, there it was, and it was gone. And where did it go? But into nothingness. I could no longer see it. I, as much as I would want to uh, take it in over a period of time, I just couldn't. It was there, and it was gone. Um, why do I bring this up? Well, if we were to pull back and think about something critically, I've always been fascinated by what Jesus says at the end of his time here on earth. Essentially, <laughs> that, lo, I will be with you always. But what did he promise them? He promised his apostles and anyone willing to follow him suffering, persecution, trial. I mean, what kind of message is this if, Lord, you want to be with us always? Mm-hmm. This in of itself, to me, I think is a, is a proof of the existence of God, because no one in their right mind would say, I promise to you suffering, persecution, trial, and all the rest, and uh, expect followers. Mm-hmm. Yet this is what our Lord does. Mm-hmm. You know, Debbie, He did not come only for those few thousands of people who had the possibility to see and hear him in person during his life. He knew that his mission must continue, be permanent, so that each and every person in all times and places of history would have the possibility to hear the good news of God's love and ultimately be saved. This is why he chose collaborators and began to send them ahead to preach the kingdom and cure the sick. He did with his disciples, Debbie, what a good teacher does today with his or her students, to prepare for what one day will be their mission. He is their general, and the apostles and everyone willing are his soldiers. You know, this whole passage just um, lends itself to the thought of trust, of divine providence. You know, Jesus is very, very explicit here in this reading about what they are to take and what they are not to take. They are to take very little. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they take a walking stick lets us know they're going on a long journey. Mm-hmm. You know, if they were just bebopping around town <laughs> in, in safety, mm-hmm. you know, uh, where they can come back and go, oh, Jesus, I don't know, that, that, that one over there, they weren't doing that. They were, they were going out. They were taking their walking stick no second tunic, you know, in the desert, it can uh, rain heavily. There can be flash floods. It can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. You take a walking stick mm-hmm. and what you have on your back, and that's it. And you trust me, and you go out. That's the same call today, folks. It is. It really Don't is. Don't burden yourself down. Don't bring a sack. Don't burden yourself down. Just bring me. Amen. And that's enough. Yep, yep. Yeah, and it brings us back, Debbie, to that first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. And there is a reason, and I could never reinforce this enough, that this is not only uh, the first 
verse essentially to the Sermon on the Mount, but the first beatitude to the Charter for Holiness because everything is hinged upon it. It is a cardinal beatitude, if you will. <laughs> cardinal comes in the Latin meaning to hinge. Mm -hmm. It is the cardinal beatitude because to be poor in spirit is to rely upon God for all things. All things. Blessed are those who essentially long for God the same way our lungs long for air. That is the essence, the essence of that first beatitude. And this evangelical poverty, Debbie, that you are talking about there, so important. And, and it's just not exclusive to uh, the apostles and those first disciples. The go is to all of us. Mm -hmm. now, why did I highlight this off the top? Because in many of my conversations, Debbie, there are people who have come to me and said, well, this is only this person can do that, or only that person can do this. Well, what are you saying when you say that? Mm -hmm. We have been all entrusted with a mission. Mm -hmm. If you were to go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 1, what does our Lord say? What does our Lord do? He appoints 72 more. Not you know, presbyteroi, elders, priests, no, 72 others, those who had been close to him, those who were in continuity with him, 72 more. And what did they do? Well, they went off two by two mm -hmm. to do what? Prepare the people for who he was going to be speaking to. Essentially, prepare the people for a deeper encounter with the master. And all throughout history, Debbie, we have men and women who are responding to this. And I'm thinking of some of the lay ecclesial movements. I'm thinking of, say, the Knights of Columbus, mm -hmm. um, the Militia Immaculata, um, the Disciples of Jesus and Mary, uh, Teams of Our Lady, all of these lay movements which essentially renew us in our local communities that we might have a more vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. Seventy-two others is about the call to you and I, yeah. to essentially follow our Lord. And isn't it interesting that he appointed them, why? Because they were near him. Mm -hmm. They already had an encounter with him, Debbie. Mm -hmm. And when we have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, you will know his voice, and you will heed his voice, and you will, you will respond to that voice. Each and every one of us, Debbie, have an unrepeatable gift to share to the body of Christ. Uh, so many of us want to do so many things, but the right thing is the one thing, and that one thing is to be discerned. What is God calling you to do? What is God calling me to do? We need to go before God, and we need to start asking those questions, because we don't know when God is going to call us, Debbie. We, we, we really don't. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be 20 years from now. It could be 40 years from now. We don't know. We don't know. I was just reading a story about a gal who, she was in her late 70s. She was retired, still very healthy and active and intellectually sharp. She left for a mission to, uh, to South America. And she was you know, 77, 78. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I mean, how beautiful is that? Yeah. You never retire from religion. You never hang up the hat. Today, in at least the United States of America, and this is probably global too, we have this mindset, well, I just want to make it to this age or that age to retire, mm -hmm. you know, whether it be 62 or, or 70, whatever it may be, and then I can live my life. No, living your life is about what God is putting before you today. 
before uh, we came on air here, Debbie, uh, we were talking a little bit, you know, he calls who? A fisherman. Our lore plays with the words, you know, now you'll be fishers of men. Um, and it's more than just a play on words. What our Lord wants us to see is that whatever we do in our vocation, as far as work goes, whether we are an engineer, a teacher, an accountant, whatever we do, that has been elevated to evangelical status, mm-hmm. right? Fishers of men are called to do what now? preach the word? (laughs) What is this business all about? And so have mechanics, teachers, accountants. God has given us the grace necessary to essentially be effective preachers, be effective teachers, catechists, uh, doers of the word, if you will, that we might ultimately go deeper into uh, what God has called us to do and at the same time discover the glory of God before us. I can kind of sense that some of our listeners out there might be uh, experiencing a little rise in blood pressure. Like, oh, I can't speak in front of others. Like Moses. Moses said, you know, I don't have the tongue for speech. Yeah, and the yeah. Lord says, don't worry. I'm going to give you what you need to say. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't worry about that. But there are folks, I imagine, in our listening audience who are, who are going, oh. And, and I... I shared with Joe that kind of the image I got about this was teaching our kids how to ride a bike. You know, we have these little ones, and we know they're ready. They've had the training wheels on. We take the training. It's a big day. Take the training wheels off and put them on a hill, and here we go. We're going to, I'm with you. I'm right behind you. I'm holding on to you. And they've been training with wheels, Mm -hmm. with support Mm -hmm. for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And... And you hear their little voices, no, don't let go, Mommy, don't let go, Daddy, don't let go, don't let go, don't let go. And we've already let go, and all we are doing is encouraging them behind, you can do this, you can do this. Our Lord does not leave us alone when he sends us on our mission. Mm -hmm. Folks, please know that is truth. He never sends us alone. He's always with us. He equips us us for everything we need he he doesn't qualify called the qualified he qualifies mm-hmm. the called mm-hmm. and we're all called mm-hmm. and we have what is needed mm-hmm. or he wouldn't call us to the work mm-hmm. um discern why am i here there's the question why am i here what what is my what is my gift for the church what is my gift for the, my brothers and sisters because you have one we all have one Amen. You know, Debbie, this talk of two by two, you know, it's fascinating. Going two by two was customary in those days, in those times. But with Jesus, it assumes a whole new meaning, no longer only practical. Jesus sends them two by two, as St. Gregory of Great reminds us, that they might inculcate charity. Because with less than two persons, there can be no charity, right? The first testimony we give of Jesus is that of mutual love. What is that great passage that comes to us from the Gospel of John? By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We were just talking about uh, the 72 others, them setting off two by two. Our Lord does this that we might bring people to Jesus Christ, but he also does it for our sake, huh? 
because it draws out those twin precepts of love. Love for God, yes, but also love of neighbor. So here he is sending them out two by two to preach the good news, to expel demons, but to also learn the language of fraternal love, learn the language of other-centeredness. It is not, Debbie, about self-sufficiency, but about being sufficiently selfless, learning the language of Jesus Christ, learning the language of that divine sacrificial love. And yeah, you're right, Debbie, we have everything that we need for the journey. I mean, the more we accumulate, the more we then have to be accountable for. Many of our listeners are being more acquainted today with St. Francis of Assisi because of Pope Francis, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm just not talking about this most recent encyclical. I'm talking about just in general. Who is this man who the Pope took his name after, Mm -hmm. right? Well, please understand, if there's anything to understand about St. Francis of Assisi, it is less is more. He was all about it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. He once said, in fact, to one of his brothers, uh, take less... Because the more you take on, the more you have to be responsible for, the less time you can give to the ones you're called to serve. And is it just that simple? Mm. Yes. And I know if you're a mother or your father out there and you have to provide for children, Mm. there's things you need to buy so as to provide. But we have to have that mindset where we truly are working with the end in mind, that you know, as one local priest said it, we're not going to be taking a moving van to our gravesite, mm-hmm. right? Less mm-hmm. is more. Mm-hmm. And if we can grab hold of that, we will not only, Debbie, grab hold of what St. Francis of Assisi is all about and what Pope Francis is all about, but what essentially the Christian mission is all about. And I dare say, if there's anything that Pope Francis wants us to see, it is that. Yes. It is that, and I know that is so hard for so many of us, especially if we are moonlighting about all the things money can buy. Mm-hmm. No, start moonlighting about God mm-hmm. and what God wants to do in your life. Amen. A friend and I were just speaking of this yesterday. It's just so providential because we were talking about, you know, she's my age and she's unemployed right now. She has had to live, move back in with her father temporarily. She's just in a really tough place and feels like a loser. Mm. You mm. know, she feels like a loser. And, and, and we started to look at that a little bit. And I said, you know, God's given you the gift of poverty, of simplicity, of a freedom from things. Mm-hmm. And, and she's very much that way. And, I, you know, very similar to what you said, you know, there's no U-Hauls behind the hearse. We can't take it with us. So what is all this? And we were pointing out she has a brother who's never been married, never had children, has a lot of money. What are you going to do with that? You've accumulated, accumulated. You spent your whole life accumulating money. Then what? Mm -hmm. You're an alcoholic. You're miserable. Then what? Mm -hmm. Folks, there's so much more. Mm Mm-hmm. There's so much more. And time is precious. Every day is precious. Every day we get up, upright, breathing is precious to the kingdom. And um, important to be asking ourselves these questions about what God wants of me today. What does he want of me just today? Mm -hmm. Just in this moment, what Mm -hmm. does he want of me? Why do you do what you do? Mm -hmm. Uh, What are you calling me to this moment? You know, our Lord... (laughs) gives the apostles, 
power and authority for manipulation and selfish gain? No. Mm -hmm. The two principles and virtues that he wedded together as it relates to power and authority were unheard of. Love and humility. Mm -hmm. So we are to go out to advance the kingdom of God in love and humility, not for manipulation and, and personal gain. No, it's for the sake of the body of Christ. And this means a whole reorientation for some of us, mm -hmm. you know, Debbie, uh, for all of us, uh, mm -hmm. each and every day that it might be renewed collectively. I mean, as a whole, uh, the, the message itself is one word, repentance, a turning away from sin and at once towards God. Mm -hmm. This, of course, speaks to both contrition and resolve. Resolve being uh, the natural outgrowth to being contrite. What is contrite? Well, being sorry for your sin. So resolution is something that we desire out from our contrition. Resolve to change. This is why in the act of contrition, we have what? But I am firmly resolved. Because to be sorry for your sin means you desire to change. And to desire to change is, again, to be resolved, to reorient our life towards God. It's always to remember that the Greek word metanoia for repentance is about direction, facing Jesus Christ, where we actually follow Jesus Christ, where we are behind Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ himself is leading the way. All right, Debbie, we are running out of time. I just want to wrap up with maybe some questions for our listeners. We've been throwing out some questions out there. Um, this weekend, I think we should spend some time reflecting into how the Lord is calling us to be a disciple, how he is calling us forth, asking the questions, where is Christ meeting us in our everyday? How is he making a difference in our life? How has he been inviting us to go deeper? What experiences or people in our lives have been instrumental in deepening our faith? And what ways has God uh, prompted us to respond to his invitation? And what ways can we, as disciples of Christ, share in his mission of teaching and healing today? And in light of today's gospel, uh, Debbie, to whom are we being sent? To whom are we being called to, to teach and heal? All right, let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.